Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? For those of you who listened to our last episode, I announced that we are going to be doing a series here on design. So classroom design, room design, home design, workspace design uh, with the brain in mind. And we're going to go into a couple different elements of design and how that really impacts the brain and the stress response, which in turn impacts how we can focus or attend or listen or be productive and it impacts behavior too. So last episode was on sound. Today's episode is on color. So let's jump right in. What if I told you that color has its own magnetic frequency? It's an energy and it's a wavelength that is known to influence those neurological pathways in your brain. So the pathways that we create in our brain when we make connections and it creates a chemical response. I know that was really sciencey, but each color has a specific wavelength. And that contributes to the different actions taken by our, our bodies, which are kind of controlled by our brains. So fun science facts, <laughs> but essentially what you need to know is that colors really influence your mood, your emotions, and your actions. And that's important. And of all of these room design elements, although I like all of them equally, I do feel that color is the most impactful. So why not choose colors to help our kiddos learn, to help us stay regulated, to help us feel better, to reduce stress? Because studies have proven that color really can improve performance by increasing our alertness and it also increases neural activity through arousal. So not the arousal you're thinking about, just the arousal of like awakening the brain. But as parents, as educators, as people in this field, we're not in this field, it still applies to workplace settings as well. We should in, ensure that we're using colors that are conducive to learning and retention and stimulating participation and co cooperation because each color has traits that impact us in different ways. For example, to give you a little bit of a insight into what we're gonna talk about in just a moment, Blues and greens, they are known to calm kiddos. Why? Because those are colors associated with nature. Our brains were developed out of nature. And things like reds and oranges are, and can be invigorating. They can also be really alerting. And think about, again, back to nature, when you see a frog or a snake or a bug or a berry, sometimes, oftentimes, when they are those bright reds and oranges or bright, bright yellows, those are warning signs. Those are danger signs because our most venomous sometimes uh, snakes, frogs, whatever they may be, are often with those bright red colors or bright oranges. So 
think about based on nature and human biology, how all of this might impact us. So let's talk a little bit more about colors specifically. Red, I like to think of red as like the energizer bunny. Oh man. Um, if you want kids to get more energized, which is typically not the case, most kids are pretty energized, but some older kids may be less energized. Red can really stimulate them. Um, but if you have a class who's already over-energized or overstimulated, this is not a good color to use. But it is associated with giving us an energy boost because it stimulates the adrenal glands. So it encourages creativity and generating more energy. And it may come in handy with those detail-oriented tasks. Maybe not all red or walls of red or giant red, but just little red highlights here and there and, and strategically placed in, in areas where we want to maybe generate more energy. Um, if you, again, have an overly energized class or hyperactive class, do not have reds. Do not use reds and oranges. According to feng shui, that Chinese <laughs> science of like room design and development, which is perfect tie into this topic, red is known to keep you on your toes. So again, aligns quite well keeps you alert. And depending on who you are, alertness may not be good. Alertness may make people anxious or nervous. So uh, red can be too, too stimulating. We have to really watch kids and see how they respond. Okay. Orange. Orange is more of like a mood lifter. It's known to improve that neural brain functioning. So think about it maybe as like a, a sunset on the horizon um, and you kind of feel the warmth from it. But, you know, like red, like orange, there are shades of it. So really bold, bright orange is gonna have similar effects to red. It's gonna be stimulating, maybe too stimulating. But softer oranges will alert kids, improve functioning, um, but maybe won't overstimulate them. So. We've, we've found, based on evidence, that orange really has a high impact and effect on the circulation and the nervous system and increasing oxygen to the brain. We want to increase oxygen to the brain when we want kids to think. It can really stimulate that mental activity. And that increased oxygen in the brain really puts people in that get things done state. You know what else will do that? BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Exercise, moving your body will get oxygen flows to your brain, will get you into that get stuff done state. However, do not forget about those bright, bold oranges because they can be overstimulating. And if you have little natural balls of energy, you don't want, um, if you have kids that are little balls of energy, you don't want to have too much bright orange. And it's really not good. Reds and oranges typically aren't good for kids who suffer from. ADHD, ADD, they do better with those more neutralizing natural colors. To boost energy, go bold. To relax, go mellow. Make sense? Cool. Yellow is an attention grabber. So if you want to get your kids' attention, bring in more yellows. Um, and think about that, even like a, a stoplight, like yellow is meant to grab your attention. It's meant to show you to slow down. A lot of warning signs on the road are yellows. Um, red signs are like real true stop warning signs, but the yellows are like, slow down, pay attention. There's a reason for that. There's science behind this. <laughs> so if you have a restless class, 
yellow has a way of capturing any tension. And it's also directly associated with positive energy and encouraging creativity. So what can be helpful is to have like a softer yellow on like a learning wall. Like if you're teaching and you want kids to, to like be energized and pay attention, a yellow wall behind you is an ideal setup. Or maybe even having um, a yellow wall for you, for you to see and you to face. But you might also want to consider maybe a blue or a gray or a green wall is better for you because it would keep you more calm and focused. But for kids, better to have yellow when you're teaching because it will keep them more alert. We want them to be more calm and focused when they're in their seats. So think about, can you strategically place, and if you can't paint your walls or color your walls, can you hang things of these colors in the appropriate places? Even adding splashes of yellows throughout the room can, can be good. Uh, maybe like in chairs or something like tables, something like that, art, whatever it may be. Better than red for kids with ADHD. <laughs> Green is a concentration catcher. Think about how it feels to walk through nature or forest. Um, it really helps to just completely wipe out that restlessness. It's a lower wavelength color. So it increases focus, it increases efficiency. It's really easy on the, the eye uh, and it's, it's good for relaxation. So if you want to improve your concentration, go green. And green really helps to restore energy. It's you know, for those kids who struggle to concentrate, green, green is great, great green. So using large blocks of green in the classroom, study rooms, for yourself even, um, can really, really be awesome. Uh, even if that's brought in through seating um, or art again, but more, more green, we need more greens in classrooms. And even better if it's in plant form because then it purifies the air and it's aesthetically pleasing. Blue is the productivity driver. So blue has been used in learning spaces for a long, long, long time. I think it's most people's default. And it is directly associated with improving reading, um, but it also helps kids to feel relaxed and calm, which we want when they are settling into their chairs and doing their independent work. So research actually has proven that people with really highly intellectual work, like those computer programmers, check people, are more productive in blue environments. So there's been a lot of work around this done with with Google and Google's workspace and designing their workspaces. And it's incredibly interesting. It also soothes um, while we tackle those cognitively taxing projects or lessons, uh, it's really soothing. Um, but maybe not monochromatic um, to use blue everywhere, but just little pieces of it with some warmer colors too. Um, because note that too much of anything is, is not good balance. We wanna balance a little bit there. So think about the colors in your space, whether it be workspace or classroom, where do you do certain tasks and what are you facing? What's the color in front of you or around you? And, and how can we change and manipulate that to help students learn better? So I hope, the, I hope these ideas have helped you to kind of rethink your colors in your classroom or your workspace. And remember that color is a wavelength and it's a significant part of our lives and it really impacts our emotional state and well-being. 
So incorporate more blues and grays and greens, more earth tones for more calming and a little kick of orange or yellow, possibly red, but try and stay away from red. I think more so I use more yellows and oranges to uh, encourage that energized state. Remember, if you can't if you can't paint, things like posters or tapestries, which are much cheaper, can be hung. The point is just to think about um, keeping color in mind, and when you do, really monitor how students seem to be responding to it, and uh, change as needed and as necessary. And that takes us to today's listener question, which is how to support parents in understanding when their child has become or has become challenging or has challenging behaviors and that it isn't really the parent or the parent, you know, that's causing the problem, but we just want them to understand from the child's perspective. So basically what I do here is I build a relationship with the family. I want to have a positive, strong relationship with the family because they trust me. They're more willing to hear things from me, especially tough things. So I then invite them to a conversation. And when you say things like, can we talk? Our mind automatically goes to a negative place. So trying to be careful with how we word that invite of like, hey, I have something to share with you. Do you have a moment or can we schedule a time? And starting with positives, start the positives, get their energy up, the good chemicals released into their body and then share what's going on. But the biggest thing here is, this drives me bonkers. If you bring a problem to the table, I encourage you to sit in and think about the problem and come up with at least one solution. Because the thing I see all the time is people going to parents to share a problem they are experiencing, but they haven't actually thought about the problem and come up with a solution. They expect the parents to come up with a solution, but the parent isn't in that setting and they may not even be seeing that behavior. And maybe they are, but maybe they don't have or know of or pause to think of a solution either. So if you bring a problem to the table, to the conversation, make sure you also bring some type of solution that shows you put some thought into this. Um, because the parents, if they have a child who's more challenging, are probably already overwhelmed to begin with, with their own life and the child. So bring a solution to the table and have grace and let them know that, you know, tr truly you want to help the child and you want to work collaboratively and want to be connected to the family to support this child. It's not about a blame or a shame thing. It's not one or the other. It is a team approach. If people feel comfortable and they feel safe, they will be involved and they will help. All right, to wrap up the show, we are going to talk about our try it at home tip, which is go outside immediately upon waking. <laughs> this is so hard for me. I keep trying and I keep failing at it, but I know how important it is. I can so easily get up and make coffee and go through a morning routine and then go right into work and be inside all day. Today, for example, <laughs> I've been inside since I woke up this morning and it's beautiful outside. So I am trying to get better at this because I know how important it is and I'm gonna encourage you to give it a go. But when you get up in the morning, preferably going for a walk and nothing else, just stepping outside, breathing in that fresh natural air and feeling the sunlight of the day upon your face. It will immediately wake up your body uh, because we are always in these artificial settings in rooms in homes and being outside even for a short period of time, even for moments is really grounding, really neutralizing. And it's a beautiful, calming way to start your morning. So if you live in a city and you want people to see how you look, just put a 
hat on or something or sunglasses, whatever it is, but get outside my way first thing in the morning. Really hard to do because we get so distracted by tech, by phones, by social, by coffee. Whatever. Take coffee outside, drink your coffee outside, get up early enough to go outside with your coffee and drink it outside. Go for a walk. All right, that is it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember our try to home tip, which is uh, get outside upon waking, immediately upon waking. And if you would like me to answer one of your questions on a future show, email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or you can send me a text, 717-693-7744. And remember to lock in what you learned today right away because it will help you to remember it and to use it and to retain it and to reuse it. An easy way to do this is to leave a comment below or review and let me know what your biggest takeaway was or what you tried or what you're going to try. And don't forget to subscribe to future episodes to hear more ways to hack your brain. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer. Thank you for joining me. Thank you.